Welcome back, everyone. I'm Jimmy Leonard, and you're joining me on part two of Why Robots Aren't Readers, Rethinking Literacy. Boys and girls, I'm going to give you an assignment. I want you to write a theme. Project-based competency-based education, online and hybrid classes, demand equity, disruption of global education systems in history. Those of you who know me have probably heard this story, but at my very first teaching job, right out of college, I was a bit of a rebel. Our school had a no phones policy, but I actually allowed my students to use phones in my classroom. I was a foreign language teacher at the time, and I instructed my students to download the Duolingo app so they could practice vocabulary on their phones during class. Now, for you skeptics listening to this, I want to assure you, for all the reasons you might think that was a bad idea, it was. I had plenty of students get off task, waste time texting or checking social media or looking up songs, but I also had dozens of students in every class genuinely excited about learning because I let them do it in the manner that they wanted to. So while I've since learned a bit about what to do and not do, I still believe in the concept. How do we teach literacy in an era when traditional book reading is on the decline? We know our students, for the most part, don't want to read novels from 100 years ago, and the digital media we are exposed to is constantly evolving and changing directions a million miles a minute. How can we ever focus long enough to actually have students master a reading skill? Most of the teachers and homeschool parents I know aren't necessarily against using phone apps or digital media in their lessons. It's just more that they feel like they don't have a good plan. They want to avoid being like my wide-eyed freshman teacher self who just told kids to pull out their phones and it was kind of good but also kind of a disaster. They need a good plan. My goal in this episode is to share some practical strategies for teaching literacy with non-book digital media for all ages and grade levels. Some of these things I've done and I've seen success with, some of these are cool tricks I've learned from other educators, and honestly some of this might just inspire you to discover your own boss lesson plan that I would like you to then share with me. Please visit me at jimmyleonard.com and tell me, tell me your brilliant teaching hacks. I would love to hear it. But before we get into this conversation about literacy and technology and digital media, let's start with the elephant in the room, and that's screen time. Parents are very worried that this device is going to stunt their children's social growth, that it's going to keep them from getting up and moving. I can envision a future where we would be excited to see a preschooler interacting with the screen. This is Sarah DeWitt, who oversees pbskids.org and is a children's media expert. They have the power to tell us more about what a child is learning than a standardized test can. And here's the really crazy thought. I believe that these screens have the power to prompt more real-life conversations between kids. Her TED Talk on this topic is pretty controversial, to put it lightly. We're letting our fear and our skepticism about these devices hold us back from realizing their potential in our children's lives. 
I'm not going to say that I blanketly endorse everything she shares in that talk, but I agree with the sentiment that as homeschool parents and educators, we often villainize screens more than we probably should. I shared on part one of this series that the American Academy of Pediatrics has actually revised their recommendations on screen time over the past several years to be more of a quality over quantity approach. Screens themselves aren't bad. It's all about what kids use them for. So when we think about digital media for homeschooling or in the classroom, I think it's helpful to have the same philosophy. It's not necessarily bad to tell our children to get on YouTube or to get on social media or to read something online. It's all about how we're teaching them to do it. I promised some tips for all ages and grade levels, specifically with a focus of teaching literacy. So let's start with preschool. Reading books to kids is still one of the most proven ways to support vocabulary building and lay a foundation for phonics. There are lots of cool apps out there to introduce the alphabet and letter decoding. My tip is to do the app with the kids. The iPad is not a babysitter. Make it social, interactive, play with them. And one of the simplest, most important questions to ask is, what's the point of the game? How do we win this game? Getting preschoolers to think about the goal of an activity lays the groundwork for summarizing and main ideas at the next level. And at that next level, yeah, that was fast, but let's go to that next level of elementary, like kindergarten through second grade. This is usually the age where parents and teachers will first have an assessment of a kid's reading. You're either going to think she's a good reader or she's behind in reading. And if you think the second thing, and that's coming across in interactions, you better believe the kid is going to feel discouraged and frustrated too. Most experts would agree that at this stage, roughly ages 5 through 8, phonics and decoding is still the focus. Since this episode is about literacy, what I'm going to add to that, and something that I think we often miss in education, is building confidence in decoding and analysis at the story level. When you listen to a song, watch a movie, watch a TV show, or even read a book, talk about the characters in the plot. First, model it. Say things like, my favorite character was so-and-so, or I thought it was funny when this happened. Then, turn to the kid. Who was your favorite character? What was your favorite part? Why do you think this other character did that at the end of the show? Open-ended questions. Questions that require them to think about and process what they just heard or saw. What this does is lay a foundation for critical thinking and analyzing the discrete sections of a text. So often we teach kids to read simple sentences like hop on pop or the cat is fat. But merely pronouncing letters is not the fullness of what it means to read. So now I'm going to move on to late elementary, maybe third, fourth, and fifth grade, and I'll slow it down a little bit here. We're going to talk about two things, model reading and let them choose. In traditional education, it's easy to think that modeling reading has to mean a teacher reading a novel to the entire class while all the students just sit obediently on carpet squares in a circle right? We've probably done that. But this is kicking at new school. We have so many other models available if we aren't afraid to integrate the technology. 
Audiobooks are amazing. Audible on Amazon. Letting kids listen to their own music in their rooms or on car trips. Hearing a confident cadence and articulation is so important to teaching the brain the rhythms of reading. And a pair of headphones and a tablet can do this and foster a sense of independent learning. I've even heard the idea of letting kids watch movies only if subtitles are on. Sure, watch a movie, but see the words that the characters are saying and subconsciously make the association between those words and the sounds that you hear. The second thing is to let them choose. You don't have to assign Charlotte's Web just because. Nothing against Charlotte's Web, but if you're a parent, go to the library and tell your kids to pick out some books that they want to read. Don't worry so much about if it's the right reading level or grade level appropriate or if it has too big of words or all that stuff. Most kids will self-select books that they feel able to comprehend and most importantly, they will feel motivated to comprehend it. If you're a teacher, as much as possible, give kids choice over what they want to read and then get excited with them. I'm a huge fan of the non-traditional book report. Can students make a video, draw a picture, make something out of Legos, go on a field trip? Is there a place you can visit related to the book? I'm going to say it, even play a video game related to the book. The point is to build context. Compare and contrast. What's similar in the book versus this other medium? What's different? Are we engaging with the text through other modalities of learning? What they're reading actually matters very little at this stage. What does matter is fostering the skill set and contextual integration that is a stepping stone to the critical thinking and analysis that will happen at higher grade levels. So now let's talk middle school. Everything I've been saying about modeling and choice still applies, but this is where it really becomes important to broaden the definition of reading. One of the things I keep saying is that literacy is really about the comprehension and critical thinking aspects, not just decoding words. What I often see happen is that middle schoolers know how to read when it's a school assignment, but then they do this mindless skimming when it comes to their social media or looking up something online. What I mean by that is if a teacher asks who's the main character or what's the story about, kids will do pretty well if it's a book for class. But if a teacher then says, open up Instagram, tell me what these posts are about, Most kids will give a surface-level answer, like, uh, people's lives, or just shrug and say, I don't know. One of my favorite activities is to look at commercials or advertisements. If you want to go the social media route, look at sponsored posts. Any activity that can teach kids to relate the author to the target audience will lead into what is the goal of this ad? What's the purpose? Now you can do an activity like make up your own product, make your own ad, great. Now from that, let's have a real conversation. When you go to a website to look something up, what's the purpose of the website? How do you know that it has trustworthy information? And then what about social media? Do you think the people that you follow online ever have a purpose in their posting? Maybe it's to get likes and win popularity. Maybe it's to celebrate an occasion or an achievement. Maybe it's to promote a certain message. Maybe it's an ask for help. To be clear here, this is not about judgment. It's not about gossip. This is about learning how to read between the lines and apply those critical thinking skills to the venue where they're needed most. 
any activity that can involve exploring the internet, looking at advertisements, looking at posts, looking at websites, answering these questions, that's worthwhile in my mind. Then in high school is when I like to up the ante and talk more about bias and modes of persuasion. This is when reading comprehension should focus on connotation and format and presentation. If you want to destroy a high schooler's love of reading, tell them to read The Scarlet Letter and then write a five-paragraph essay about it. Tell them to read Shakespeare and then quiz them on vocabulary that they will literally never use in their adult lives. If somebody wants to read The Scarlet Letter or wants to read Shakespeare, okay. Is there a purpose to introduce some of these classic authors as part of providing a cultural context for the evolution of Western thought? Yes. Does this have to be the cornerstone of every high school literature curriculum? No. Here's the old school method of doing a high school research paper. Give some neutral, overused, boring prompts about whether or not there should be school uniforms, let's say. Then tell the kids they aren't allowed to use Wikipedia and they aren't allowed to use YouTube. Well, wouldn't it be more helpful to engage kids with the kinds of consequential, relevant issues that they will actually face after graduation, things that they will need to have opinions about, and then teach them how to use Wikipedia and how to use YouTube responsibly and with a critical eye? Can you actually tell the difference between something reliable and fake news? How would you tell the difference? What would you look for? These are the things we need to teach. Any assignment that gets kids thinking about and responding to what they see on the news or what they watch on YouTube is promoting 21st century literacy, contemporary novels, song lyrics, Netflix shows. All of these belong in the classroom discussion if what we really want to teach is critical thinking and competency to understand and respond to relevant issues. Any opportunity to let students choose something relevant to them in pop culture as a way of accomplishing an assignment objective, take those opportunities. There's so much good content available to us right now, I don't know why we're always trying to throw students in a time machine and take them back hundreds of years. To be or not to be, that is the question. And then there's this. Whether tis nobler in the mind to suffer. As I was ranting about this to a teacher friend and colleague one day, she pointed out that many curriculums, including the Common Core, specifically require Shakespeare and American dramatist and the foundational literature of the 18th, 19th, and 20th centuries. So maybe I talk a big game, but the argument goes you can't just make every assignment about YouTube and Instagram. And maybe we shouldn't. So here's my response. And I know I kind of rushed past this earlier, but I think there's a lot of value in introducing classical authors to lay a cultural foundation. The ideas prevalent in American culture today owe a great deal to the founding fathers and founding mothers. We stand on the shoulders of these generations that came before. So I'm not saying cancel it. I am saying that sometimes less is more. It's perfectly possible to learn about an author, read a sample of his work, uncover the themes, parse some of the tricky vocabulary and syntax, and then move on. The old way of doing things is to spend six weeks reading Romeo and Juliet line by line, and then on the last day of the unit, 
watch the movie version just for fun. Well, what if we inverted that? What if we spent a couple of days learning about Romeo and Juliet, reading some sonnets from the play, but then spent the majority of the unit, the majority of those six weeks, looking at depictions of love in contemporary music, film, blog posts, TED Talks, and maybe even books. Then the unit becomes about universal themes versus a deconstructive analysis, comparative literature, challenging assumptions and bias, all that good stuff for high school using material that students are already interested in, already reading, and material that has immediate real-world significance in the cultural conversations that define our era instead of having students falling asleep at the desk and then needing to write a character analysis essay about Mercutio. In fact, I'll write that essay for you right now. You're a bad friend, Mercutio. I'm just putting it out there. I'm not saying this whole thing was your fault, but a lot of it was. A plague o your house, Mercutio. A plague on you. There. If I haven't already offended any Shakespeare purists, that's where they're going to draw the line. So at the beginning of this miniseries, I challenged the idea that kids don't read anymore. It's not that they don't read. It's just that when, where, and what they read has changed. So instead of using an outdated curriculum, we have an opportunity to teach literacy skills with contemporary media, meeting students in the venues where they already are. I'm going to hit you with a shameless plug for a minute. One of the many things I'm passionate about is creating relevant, engaging educational curriculum. If you are a teacher or a parent and you're looking for some new resources personalized to your needs and students, contact me. Visit me on my website. I would love to help. I'm so glad to be with you. Thank you for joining me. Kicking It New School is a podcast about challenging some of the longstanding assumptions in education and exploring how we can reach this current generation. Please subscribe, share a link, tell your friends. I talk about personalization and relevance, so I want this to be relevant to you. So please visit my website at jimmyleonard.com slash podcast and ask your questions. Tell me what you want to hear about in a future episode. We'll make it happen. That's the show. Thank you for joining. Until next time.